Hello, welcome back to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I'm so glad you're here. If you're new around here, just want to say welcome, and I hope and pray that all that you hear on this podcast will deeply and richly bless you. It's my prayer and hope that um, all people can come and hear about God and hear about his love, his His pursuing of you. Um, in fact, if you if this is your first time, I encourage you to go back to hear some of the previous episodes that begin with how Jesus wants to rebuild his church, where you can start hearing the parable read from the beginning. But before I introduce you to our new guest, I want to read a passage of scripture for you that has come to me over and over in this week as I've been having conversations with with different kinds of uh, people who are, some who are seeking after God, some who are not. But if you're like me, you have people in your life who you love deeply and dearly, and they're just not so sure what they are believing, or maybe they're very confident in that they aren't believing uh, in the gospel any longer. Um, so I want these words to be a comfort to you. They come from the scriptures, the translations, the message, and it's John chapter 6, starting with verse 44. Jesus said, don't bicker among yourselves over me. You're not in charge here. The Father who sent me is in charge. He draws people to me. That's the only way you'll ever come. And I just wanted you to hear that passage because for me, I need to remind myself often that it's not my responsibility to draw everyone to God. That's what God does. But how does he do it? It's a mystery. And maybe that's why um, in doing podcasts and, and listening to other people's faith journeys, maybe it's in the mystery of that that builds our faith. So welcome to the show, Avery Betts, today. He is actually a student from my communications course, and he is 18 years old, and his story is powerful as he journeys from being uh, raised in the Jehovah's Witness faith and finding the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome back to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Chapter 12. The next two days were filled with navigating the nanny's schedule with theirs, running errands, and planning meetings at work. The thoughts of a spiritual journey, or let alone a question from God, didn't even occur to David. In fact, he needed a break from so much mental energy he was giving to self-reflection, which was surprising given how obsessed he felt just 72 hours before. Yet one thing he knew for sure, he was not going to let the demands of his busy life crowd out this new discovery of what was happening on the inside. David had this sense that his feelings, thoughts, and perceptions of himself were his connection to being fully alive. When his guard was down, he saw himself as doing okay without God in his life. After all, hadn't he accomplished the kind of success at work that most people his age envied? Isn't this what everyone wanted? Maybe he could manage these feelings of failure on his own. He just needed a reset on his willpower. Yes, that was his secret, willpower. In the way, way back of his mind, he heard the word addiction, but he shut that down as quickly as it came. On his drive back to work the morning he met with Diane, something shifted inside him when he silently responded to God. How do you see me only looking at the surface of things? David knew by asking the question he could have possibly opened himself to God. As quickly as that happened, 
he turned back the other way, not quite ready to give up what he knew he had, a better grip of who he really was. He wasn't ready to say he needed God yet. Before he left the house on Thursday morning, he made one more round seeing if all the doors were locked as his wife left earlier to drive the baby to the nanny's house. Standing at the back door of the house where the kitchen and family room joined together, David took in the mail strewn on the counters and blankets on the floor. Hmm, 7.45, he mumbled to himself. I have 15 minutes. He busied himself with stacks of paper and unopened envelopes. He knew this was a win with his wife. Something caught his eye when he lifted a pile of mail to toss in the trash. The letter was addressed to his wife, but with her work address listed. It was a credit card he didn't recognize. Strange, he thought. Before he threw it away, he quickly opened it to make sure it wasn't something she needed for her company. David was puzzled when he read through the charges on the account. and the last one read $34,000. Each charge listed a phone number next to it and suddenly a wave of despair welled up inside David as he reached for his cell phone and punched in one of the phone numbers. Law offices, how can I help you? David pulled the phone away from his ear and canceled the call. Without skipping a beat, he dialed his wife's phone number and she picked up right away, but he could tell it was on speakerphone. Have you already dropped off the baby? Yes, everything okay? Amy, I just opened a credit card statement for thousands of dollars worth of charges, including some charges to a law firm. Is there something you need to tell me? Amy was silent for too long before she said, David, let's talk about it tonight. I don't know how that was sent to our home. I need to go. I'm late for my first meeting. Alone in the house, except for morning sounds of buses and cars passing by, David walked into the small bathroom in the hall and shut the door. Shrinking to the floor, with his face in his hands, David began to weep. Heartbroken and disillusioned, he felt he could not bear whatever his wife was soon to reveal. Within seconds, he could hear the familiar voices of failure and shame chanting over him. His emotions unraveled as a sense of complete loss whipped his spirit further down as his body lay flat on the cold tile. A guttural cry came from deep within and everything vile spewed forth from his throat. Confused, David heard himself scream, I'm just so lost, God. I have failed and the unhappiness I feel is agonizing. Am I being punished because I didn't turn to you? This is a death to me, not just a death of someone and something I cannot control, but a death of a decade of trying. I can't bear to face anyone or anything. I can't find places or people where I can be honest. I'm sorry, God, but there's no walking a new journey with you. I'm even unsure of taking one more step with you. Chapter 13 Stunned and silent, David searched for any motivation he could muster to stand up. Just then, his cell phone buzzed. He saw it was Ben and answered after the fifth ring. Ben? You okay, man? You're not going to believe what I just found. David's voice was stunned to a whisper. 
What happened? Where are you? I was just calling to see why you were late. I was cleaning up the kitchen when I came across a credit card bill addressed to Amy at work. My eyes just happened to land on it, and in it are charges for an attorney's office I've never heard of. Ben was shocked that Amy would keep anything from David and even admitted he didn't see that coming from her. David, you've suspected things weren't completely open between the two of you. You insinuated as much just a few days ago. Have you talked to her? Maybe there's an explanation. Unable to string two thoughts together, David's mind could not stop racing to the letter he'd found and in reality, his moment of betrayal. How will I ever speak to her again? Just then, he saw in his mind's eye how he would make that her new reality. He would make Amy suffer, and in that moment, he knew the path he would take to make it happen. Don't make any rash decisions. Wait for Amy to come home before drawing any conclusions. How could she treat me this way? And what does that say about me? David asked. Buddy, you know something you didn't know three days ago, and now you know it. Maybe this isn't all about what's wrong with you. David stopped hearing Ben's words as he numbly moved through the next three hours at home, putting everything back in order. As his anger reached its pinnacle, he heard again in his spirit how this is what he deserved anyway. One by one, he made a plan to leave, and just then he heard in his spirit, I will never leave you. He stood silently for a moment and brushed it off. The front door opened with the sound of keys jingling before it shut again. David, I'm down here if you want to talk. Chapter 14 Voice of Destruction I never forgot that dreadful war in the heavens. If my calculations are correct, ever since I was banished from your kingdom, I've succeeded masterfully in blocking souls from your deliverance. Ever since Michael, your lead angel, fought against me and threw us out of your presence, I deeply enjoy leading human beings astray here on earth. Look at David now. He completely collapsed at the first test soon after he considered turning to you. Voice of Love Your final hurling down is yet to come. Now I am here in all power and all authority. You and your forces can accuse my children before me day and night, but they will know that when they battle anxiety and fear, it's the clash of my kingdom of light colliding with your kingdom of darkness. David will turn back to my voice of love, and with his turning, he will encourage those around him in their faith. Voice of Destruction Are you controlling this from the start? Voice of Love You don't need to know my ways. They are mysterious. Voice of destruction. You infuriate me. Voice of love. What David is feeling inside is the spiritual battle of light dawning in darkness. Of course there's tension, spikes of energy, pulls of emotion in different directions. Human beings feel disoriented when they experience the catastrophic mingling of light with dark forces. Years ago, I foresaw this crisis and knew then what I was going to do. In this world are many trials and choices, but in the end, I am going to win. You are furious because you know your time is short. Voice of Destruction 
What kind of light are you shining that leaves your loved ones depressed, anxious, full of shame and fear? Don't you see how that works in my favor? I have pursued your souls for war by spewing anger, violence, rage, and hatred among the people who to say they love you. You are not surrounding them or even near them. Voice of Love I knew you would see it that way and made a decision to take a chance by unleashing my most powerful tools to deliver them. Voice of Destruction Ah, but here's where I'm coming out ahead of you. David has been turned away from you for far too long to think some religious ideas from his past are going to get him out of this disaster. Voice of Love When I look at David, I love him far too much to leave him spiritually broken and separated from me. He will experience suffering and trials. However, at his disposal is my help, and when I deliver David, he will be transformed by my faithfulness, filling him with a profound courage and boldness. Believe me, he will instantly know the war happening inside him is the tension of the Messiah sphere. This has nothing at all to do with religion, but bone-deep transformation. That's authentic spirituality. Voice of Destruction But it won't last with his wife betraying him. None of your creatures are strong enough to withstand a betrayal. Voice of Love David's heart is mysterious. And as I've said before, my children are free to choose. In the middle of David's internal battle is the fight between good and evil, me and you, the old and the new natures. He will be given a path to choose, and then for now his search will come to a particular end. Voice of Destruction His search? I don't see or hear him searching. I see him fleeing. Voice of Love that's between David and me. You do not have access to all things as relentlessly as you work. He asked me a question, and I've answered him. I've taken care of him with tender kindness, and I've taken care of him with merciful love. All right. Welcome back to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I have Avery Betts with me here today. And this is a bonus because Avery is actually a student in my class in communications uh, at George Fox University. So before I go any further, I'm going to let him introduce himself and let you know uh, where he was born and raised and what he's majoring in in college. So Avery, hello. Right. All right. So uh, I'm Avery. Uh, I'm a freshman at George Fox University. I uh, was born in Beaverton, um, lived in Oregon my whole life. So this is definitely my home. And uh, right now I'm a nursing major. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. And your mom's a nurse as well, right? So you've yes. got that. So is this a four-year or five-year program? Four-year. Nice. Okay. You yeah. always know you wanted to be a nurse? Uh, no, actually, I think I actually made the choice about a year ago, because when I was thinking about uh, places I wanted to go into, and nursing kind of just uh, jumped out to me once I had thought about everything that I wanted to go into, just because it was it's such a great way to like, help people and try to yeah. get back, I think. 
Absolutely. And it's a great job. I mean, yeah, that's for part a of lot of reasons, right? Yeah. Well, Avery, I, I know you as a uh, dedicated and, and responsible student. So that's how I know you. But as some of my listeners have heard, we have, we have this part or the beginning of our class where people say their faith journey story. It's kind of how we introduce ourselves to each other. And, and one of the reasons I'm just so glad that you are on here is because when I heard your story, um, I was really uh, taken with your maturity for your age, by the way, because what are you, 18, 19? Yeah, I'm, I'm 18. 18. So, um, and so since everyone is listening to us right now, I'm curious if you could just, you know, take us back. To how did, how were you raised? Um, were you raised in the church? Uh, what was that like for you? Right. Um, so I, I think it kind of starts, uh, I mean, I was born in Beaverton, obviously. I was with my, my mom and my dad, who uh, were Jehovah's Witnesses at the time. Um, when I was two, uh, my mom uh, divorced my dad and became disfellowshipped from the Jehovah's Witness Church. Um, and she moved me out to, to Tillamook. That's where she got to become a nurse and all that stuff. Okay. And at that point, I was with my mom almost exclusively by the time I was about 10 I'd say I had moved back into the Portland area and I saw my dad more regularly um, which meant that he took me to a lot of uh, Jehovah's Witness activities and uh, churches including um, going out door to door I did that time? for like a lot of my life really but and how old uh, were you at that time, Avery, what was that? How old were you at that time when you started getting back? When your dad started getting reinvolved in your life? I would say I was probably, I was probably about seven, six okay. or seven at the beginning of elementary school. I would say that's when we kind of moved back, and I began to see my dad on a more regular basis. And uh, then that's when he would take me to to church, and that kind of thing. So and then, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, as uh, as I continued, um, I I got there was a custody battle that happened when I was about twelve. Uh, that took a, a lot of time and a lot of money. Basically, meant I spent more time on my dad's, and uh, I also started going to more Jehovah's Witnesses meetings because that was uh, that was part of it. That was part of the custody battle. And I kind of stayed in that mode um, from when I was in middle school, where I would do, go on Thursdays. I would every other Thursday, I would go over to uh, his house after school. I would have a uh, there would be a meeting, a Jehovah's Witnesses meeting that night, and then uh, Friday there wasn't much to do. Saturday, uh, I would get up in the morning and we would go out and, and do door-to-door uh, -door witnessing. And then we'd have a Bible study later that night. And then on Sundays, we would go to meeting. So that was probably my routine every other week for probably about like eight years, I would say, until my senior year, which is when I uh, decided to, to leave um, my, my dad's religion. And that is, we're saying a year ago. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, yeah, it was a little, a little over a year ago, yeah. Okay, this is significant. So 
when you talk about these meetings and going door to door and uh, what were you learning about? What, were, what did you hear in these meetings? Um, well, Jehovah's Witnesses are very, I would say, uh, some people describe them as a cult. I, I don't know if I've, I've gotten there quite yet, but they definitely do have a tendency to um, shelter themselves from the outside. And they also do have a, a pretty, um, you know, you do things in order to, uh, in order to gain favor. It's kind of why you go out in the first place is because you're, uh, they believe you're commanded to, to go out door to door witnessing. Uh, so the, in Jehovah's Witnesses religion, uh, God is a lot more like judgmental and uh, angry than I think uh, a lot of people who are raised in like an, a regular evangelical background might be might be accustomed to. Okay. Uh, so that was uh, significantly different. And as a say. child, do you do you have memories of 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 wondering about the character of God? Like, was that on your mind at all, or was this more that you just felt like you needed to please your dad? Like, what 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 kind of memory do you have? I think um, that's always been kind of the struggle for me with faith was because uh, because I had like this like polar opposite where I would go to my dad's house and learn about Jehovah's Witnesses theology and then come back to my mom's house and go to a non-denominational church. I definitely began to form a perception of uh, like God being different um, you know, over here and over here. And that kind of made me disillusioned in a lot of ways because I didn't really know who God was because I was so busy going back and back and forth uh, so, between those. Uh, so pretty you're telling me that you, you were, you were part of a Jehovah's Witness church and an evangelical church at the same time? Yes. Yeah. That, that's what happened. Okay. That, that is, that would be a lot of push and pull at, for a young person. Yes, it was, it definitely became an issue when my, my dad was trying to get me to push to become baptized in Jehovah's Witness faith, which was a, a really big issue because since my mom was um, disfellowshipped, if I were to become a baptized in the faith, that would essentially mean I wouldn't, I would no longer be able to talk to my mom because they have a doctrine of you're supposed to isolate from others or separate yourself from those who've been uh, excommunicated and so it was essentially it was like you have to you have to choose whether or not you want to go along with this religion or go along with uh your parents so it was definitely it was definitely challenging so do you know at what point you started doubting the jehovah's witness faith do you remember like when it started or is there a story surrounding that or was it gradual I think it I think it was it was gradual because I just became you know God to me was just such such a such a distant figure and I just was really I was really hostile toward towards towards God and I think in a lot of ways that kind of contributed to my you know pulling away from the religion more than anything else and now that I've come back to that, I think I have a much better relationship, much better relationship with God than I did then. But I was really, you know, angry 
at God for putting me in this situation. And I was just thinking like, even if, even if uh, this is, what they're teaching is true, the God that they believe in is, is not a God I want to worship because he's angry. He lets, because the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses also believe, you know, like Satan is in control of the world. And so uh, every, most things that happen in the world are controlled by Satan. So essentially, if you're just talking to people, you know, kind of outside the religion, it is kind of like they are in some ways controlled by Satan. And that all the suffering that happens is because of Satan. And that really like just put me off because the idea that God would just let Satan like run amok or that he didn't just, he just was deciding not to get involved for some of, for some of his own reasons was really, really uh, disillusioning to me and really made me, you know, reconsider like, why would I even want to believe in a God? Why would I a God like that. So what is the Jehovah's Witness view of Jesus? Um, so Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity. Okay. So uh, they believe that uh, Jesus is essentially a uh, um, just an angel or God's son, uh, that a special angel. He isn't God himself. And now that I'm removed from the religion, it really makes me realize there's such a drastic difference because if you believe that, you know, God himself came down to, you know, take on our own sins and, and sacrifice, you know, part of himself for us, I think that has um, a bigger impact than sending your son. Like I would, I would hate it, but I would send my son if him to die, if it meant that, uh, you know, everybody could, live eternally i mean i would make that decision <laughs> i think that so there, really I was, there wasn't any sense of like gratitude because i'm like i would do that oh interesting yeah. so talk a little bit then about this senior year of yours because it feels yeah. like that is a pivotal time in your faith journey it definitely was um i think uh the kind of i'm going to back up a little bit to provide the context um so I had been going to a church called Rolling Hills, which is in Tualatin, great church. And um, my mom uh, was getting baptized in that church. Uh, this was in my um, junior year. It was middle of my junior year. And uh, so she was being baptized. She was kind of being told the whole process around it. And um, at that point, I just, they asked like, hey, do, do you want to be baptized? Of course, they didn't know anything about my, my situation or anything. And I was just like, I just said, yes. I mean, I don't know. I feel like now that I look back on it, it definitely does seem like there was something at play there because I didn't have, I didn't think about it. I just kind of was like, okay. Um, so the problem was, is that I, I kept that a secret from my dad because I was, you know, because he had, you know, kind of built up that that this religion was kind of a big part of our relationship a little bit and so it was definitely I was just scared of, of telling him what happened but eventually of course they found out and it totally changed uh, the whole dynamic of everything because now instead of me being like taught the doctrine it was like I was they were trying to convert 
me or tell me everything that was wrong. Who was trying to convert you? Your dad and the church yes. the, and the Jehovah's Church. Yeah. My dad would um I was no longer allowed to to go out door to door, which which would make sense. Uh but uh they did have me like look at, you know, parts of the Rolling Hills like doctrinal statement, and they would have me um, you know, while they were out doing door-to-door service, they would have me look at it and like research it and come to a conclusion about, you know, what I believed about it. And um, at this point, I, I didn't really, I didn't really tell the truth about like what I actually believed. I just kind of said what they wanted to. So uh, it became a lot more of like a hostile environment around religion. And so that summer we were going to uh, New York and one of the reasons we go to New York is the world headquarters of the entire Jehovah's Witnesses religion is in New York. And uh, at the same time, there's also a religious convention happening at the same time where you would spend a, basically a weekend and you'd go to a specific place and, you know, learn everything and whatever. Um, and that one really just like kind of, it kind of, it did kind of, it kind of broke me a little bit because being immersed in that whole like theology for such a long time, I began to think like, you know, you know, if this is true, then I'm, I'm never going to make it like the things that I do. I'll never be able to, to look back at it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so it really became like a, a dark, a dark moment in my life because I was just thinking about, you know, the things that they're teaching here is just, like I'll never be able to live up to that, you know. And if, and it, you know, if this is true, then I'm, I'm just, I'm done. There's nothing that I can do, because it would mean that I'd have to go back, on, you know, my mom, who is an incredibly important part of my life. So that kind of dual choice really, you know, s- screwed with me mentally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one night I just, um, I was downstairs. And I, uh, I finally, I told one of my best friends, you know, what was going on that I was really having, you know, struggles uh, with this. And uh, I kind of broke down there. And then all of a sudden, my mom comes downstairs. And she's like, hand me your phone. Like, hand me your phone right now. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. But, she, but I handed her a phone. She sees the conversation that I was having. And then she realized that it had gone way out of hand. And she was like, you need to call your dad right now and just tell him that you are no longer, that you're not going over there because it's not, it's not safe for you. And so, um, that, that was basically, that was, that was the point. Like as soon as that event happened, like that pretty much, you know, changed the whole trajectory of, of my life in general. And how did you feel inside when that happened, Avery? Um, it was, it was a, you know, it was a relief. It was difficult because uh, I was, I was telling my dad that I couldn't, I couldn't back, go back over there because it was painful. And, you know, I, that was painful for him. And, you know, how I am, I have this, just this tendency of not, uh, of making my own feelings less important than other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And so it was really difficult for me to try and like, uh, say that I can't 
you know, do this anymore because it's not good for me. That was pretty difficult. Yeah. But as soon as that happened, wow. felt so relieved. Um, we went to the coast and uh, I just kind of decompressed for a little bit. And uh, it really helped me, you know, I think uh, heal. It took, it's, it's taken a long time over that, that whole senior year. I, it was a lot of like emotional work to kind of, you know, think about a lot of the things that had happened and, and try to become, you know, stronger personally in terms of my faith. And uh, also just kind of, I felt a lot of guilt over, you know, kind of distancing myself uh, from my dad. Uh, So that was also difficult, but and at the end of the day, it was, I think it was the correct decision. So, uh, yeah, I definitely would say I, I felt relief. And over that, that whole period of time, that, that whole year, um, it was probably, it was probably one of the best years of my life, just because I was, because I had lived almost my entire life of going in between, I spent two fifths of my time at my dad's house, and I would always be going back, back and forth. And it's, it really screwed with my emotions. Yeah. So you, you were given freedom. So, mm-hmm. so now here you are a freshman at, at George Fox university, which is an evangelical mm-hmm. Christian school. Um, mm-hmm. When would you say was the, um, like, what is your relationship with Christ like now? Um, it's, it's still, I would say it's still um, evolving mm-hmm. um, just because like the, the, the real gospel message, you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to actually wrap my head around, you know, what it, what it actually, what it means apart from my con like a Jehovah's Witnesses context yeah. a lot. And a lot of my, my journey so far has just been trying to, you know, remove myself you know from Jehovah's Witnesses context and that's why this school has been so great because the theology class has really let me like look at the bible from just a completely different perspective you know kind of come to my own realizations about it and um that's been really helpful and you know it was kind of just recently I think it was really the first time that I finally like kind of understood you know with the the gospel really what the gospel really means can and you, so that's been can really you articulate important. that uh, yeah so um uh, there's me and my mom uh, I, I had gone back to her house and we were watching this and this documentary series it's called i think it's called american gospel hmm. it was really good it was really good and um they were just talking about like they were just starting from the beginning of like basics of the gospel. And I was like, I feel like I've never, this is like, this feels like something completely new. Like I, I feel like I've never heard this before. And so um, I think the moment that kind of really, you know, changed how I, how I thought about it was, you know, was that Christianity isn't necessarily religion of, it's not a religion of doing things, for God's favor, because we can, we can never be, we can never reach up to that. And that's what I had been kind of misled about, but rather it's because we are so grateful that he, you know, 
sacrificed for us that we want to uh, pay back to him and you know worship him for for that and that was just completely it totally changed my my viewpoint on that well and to complete opposite of the works and mm -hmm. of the of the slavery of doing things yeah and worshiping idols i mean that's opposite so uh i i've seen that in you uh, as a student in my class where you've you are a, a curious person and you ask mm -hmm. good questions and you think through things so the the fact that you're in a place a, what i would call a safe place uh, to explore mm -hmm. your faith is phenomenal to me you know i see i see where god is drawing him drawing you to himself um and and in a kind and loving way right so now how what is your view perspective of the character of god now or how is it because you use the word evolving but how are you and how do you see him now um i think uh the character of, of God has really uh, changed a lot for me, I would say, just because um, Jehovah's Witnesses' mindset is just like, God seems so like, and like fickle, and you know, difficult to please. And it's just kind of like, um, they talk about, you know, having a, a relationship with God. But at, at the end of the day, the, the way they set it up, um, it can never it can never be an equal like an actual an actual relationship with god because you're you're not doing things you know because because you love because you love god you're doing things because you're you're scared you're scared of god oh that's good so it's just the it's just kind of like really changed like you know god is is here to you know help us to protect us to try and you know lead us back from where we've you know where we've gone wrong rather than like a god who is you know you know angry and like distant because of the things that the things that we've done and he's and he's mad at us um so i think that that's probably the biggest difference i love i love that and you said that so well uh so here, here you are, uh, 18 years old and starting on a whole new journey, a whole new mm -hmm. life. Um, what advice would you have for some of my listeners who, who might be in a similar situation where maybe they, they aren't so sure of what it means to accept the gospel or what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and be free? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what would you say to them? I think the most important thing is you can never you can never hide what you what you believe as soon as as soon as you start to you know like just go along with it because you feel like you're you're pressured then you're just you're betraying um you're you're not having you're not leading yourself to a better life you know your relationship with god is like the most important thing like in our entire lives if you are just lying to other people because you think it's going to make them happy it's their happiness is not as important as your own actual relationship with god so what i would just say is you know don't hide 
but you believe if you have questions you you have to ask you have to ask the questions because otherwise you're never going to answer them absolutely i think that's so crucial and that again with the theology classes you're in or the books you read it gives you space to ask questions mm -hmm. i think that's what when i read the new testament i love that about jesus that he's constantly answering people's questions and he's asking questions too Mm -hmm. So what would you say, um, what parts of the scriptures are you drawn to? Mm. Um, I would say some, I think Psalms has always been one of my favorite um, areas in the Bible, just because there's, there's so much like humanity in it, mm. because, you know, you have, um, just like this the feelings of like of like grief and despair and then you also have feelings of like a rejoicing and and hope and just the kind of but it always just kind of circles back to like you know this is like i can i can rely on you god and i can you know you know i thank you for for doing all the all those things for me mm. and that's it just kind of like um gets to me in terms of yeah it gives you a language emotion yeah yes it, 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 that's exactly right the psalms can reflect how we feel you right um, as mm -hmm. a human being so avery you might not know this but one of the reasons that i'm uh, doing this particular series on this podcast is because of my of the book that i'm writing right now and it's a mm. it's a short story it's a parable of a young man who thinks he's lost his faith mm. and he has to make three choices uh he's offered to make three choices. One is to turn to God. Another is to um, give God permission to work in his life. But the third one is to discern between the voices. Hmm. And I wonder is as we close here, if you could just think back a little bit over your years of being involved with Jehovah's Witness, uh, and now being a, a Christian committed to the Lord Jesus, what would you say are some distinctions between the voices that you heard inside? In terms of, of like what I learned from Jehovah's Witnesses? Yeah. How do you know when you're hearing, you know, God's voice mm. now? Yeah. I think, um, I think there is just kind of a feeling of like, of it being right. Like my mom has, has always told me that, you know, when she first, you know, came into Jehovah's Witnesses, um, she was a pioneer, she was all of those things. And, um, and then when they taught about, about Jesus, they would always be like, Jesus, you know, his sacrifice, it, you know, it's not, it's not for you to get into heaven, it's for a group of, of anointed, the 144,000 to get into heaven. Mm. And she, she was always like, you know, that just, that's just not, that doesn't feel right to me. That just, yeah. that's not, you know, like it just, something just didn't sit right with her. Mm. And I think you kind of have to think about like, does this like sit, sit right with you in terms of like, just doesn't make sense. Is there something that, you know, just doesn't really add up. And I think if you can uh, find a, if you can create a, like a complete picture and you know you're just like yeah yes this is this is how we were meant to to live then i think um 
I think in a lot of ways that's going to be one of the best, one of the best ways of of knowing. I think, and that was kind of the same thing for me. Like now that I'm, now that I'm, you know, thinking more about about God, and uh, I just and I look back, I'm like, there that religion is just, you know, it just didn't it just didn't feel right. Like mm-hmm. they're yeah. talking about God being loving, but I don't feel it. They're talking about you know, all of these things, but I didn't actually feel it in my heart. So you kind of have to, I mean, you have to think about, you know, everything in relation to the, the scriptures and whether it's being accurate or not. But I do think, you know, there's just kind of a feeling because we were uh, designed to have, you know, a spiritual need. And I think if you are, feel like your spiritual need isn't being fulfilled, then it's probably not the right thing. I mean, it's well, and you're, you're also giving, you're also saying that there's a Holy spirit that leads you Mm -hmm. and you are sensing that there is a right and wrong way to live. There's a a right and wrong path. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now that I will be praying for, for you on this journey. Um, especially the next few years, because they're so pivotal, right? As you're, as you're getting a degree, but also growing as a young man. Um, is there anything else you'd like for uh, my listeners to know about your faith journey before we go? Um, I just, I think that it, it always, like if my biggest regret, you know, thinking about everything mm-hmm. is just that, I, I wasn't honest about how I felt about things and it mm-hmm. prolonged, prolonged my, you know, my realizations and coming to everything for so long because I wasn't actually being honest and because I, I thought I would get in trouble if I, if sure. I wasn't being honest. Makes perfect think, sense. Yeah. That, that's just, that's just been like the lesson for me in terms of, mm-hmm. of my faith journey uh, that, you know, I, I always have to be upfront with myself and other people about you know where I actually am. I think that sounds incredibly like Jesus. Because mm. he looks at us and he says, I know you. I, I see you. <laughs> you can't hide anything from him. Right. So and I can I pray for you before we go? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Lord Jesus, I am thinking about how you have saved this young man and how you've brought him to yourself. And we're so grateful, Lord. Thank you for your persistence with Avery and for your plans that you have for him that you designed before the beginning of time. So I bless him, Lord, in your name. Thank you for the way that you've created his mind and his heart. And Lord, I ask that as he continues in his education, Lord, that there would be more freedom, more healing, um, just more boldness, and that he will continue to shine his light um, on campus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Avery, for being here. Absolutely.